Have you started recording? Yeah, of course. Oh, Christ, there's me Hello. giggling okay, away this to myself. Good. Say something oh. funny so we can put it in the introduction. Uh, oh, God, why'd you put me under pressure like this? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any good jokes. What it's do you weird call how... <laughs> a sandwich with legs? I don't know. What do I call a sandwich with no legs? With legs. <laughs> oh, I didn't sorry. say with no legs. Oh, I mean, all sandwiches have no legs, right? Pretty much, I would say. I'm just going to edit that out. Yeah. What do you call a sandwich with legs? Bready legs. It's not a real joke. It's from bad kids' jokes. That's pretty bad. That's pretty, that's pretty awful. Okay, here's a, here's a good joke. Okay. What is the most common owl in Britain? I don't know. A tea towel. Oh, God, that is so bad. <laughs> Hello and welcome to A Glass of Seawater. My name is Bavin Patel and I'm joined by Phil. Hello. Kate. Hi. And Will. We're finally doing a laser episode. We're finally doing a laser episode. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about inertial confinement fusion. But before we get onto that, we have a lovely new guest, someone who's never been on the episode before. Um... And two lovely guests who have been <laughs> on the before. <laughs> I'm probably They're less lovely. I'm not a big fan of the other two. The new one is lovely. So <laughs> well, thank you. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our many millions of fans? Hi. Well, uh, I'm Dr. Kate Lancaster. I'm an academic here at the York Plasma Institute at York. Um, my expertise is in basal plasma interactions, and uh, some of what we're going to talk about today is also uh, things that I do for a living. And I also head up the uh, Fusion Energy MSC here as well. So if you like what you hear, then you can come and study with us. Kate's a pretty big deal. No. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying uh, <laughs> that we have a lot of sway in the Fusion community, but we're getting some pretty big names in already. Like Philip Bradford is going to be like top dog one day. So like, just remember, he started down here. <laughs> My dad Thank goes around telling everyone that I am the world's foremost expert of fast igniter ignition. Bless him. Oh. I know. It's adorable. Is he wrong? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, a little bit wrong. So, before we get started, why don't we just talk about what inertial confinement fusion or ICF is? So, does anyone want to jump in and give a quick introduction to what it is? Eyes are on me. Uh, we, I like how we always start the episode by pinning on someone and summarise exactly what we're going to talk about for the next half hour. <laughs> yeah, well, it's exactly. A good, good way to get an introduction, isn't it? Yeah. So, inertial confinement fusion. You, you both would have thought I'd gone through this in my head before we got here, but apparently I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um. So we've talked about confining things in magnets before in previous episodes. Now we're talking about confining something under its own mass. So somehow you get a mass of fusion fuel, fuel, deuterium and tritium, and you somehow send a compression inwards to heat the center and get fusion happening. Right. So Very briefly. What is inertia then? Because, I mean, inertial confinement fusion, but what does inertia mean? Like... It's the propensity for something to keep moving once you've set it in motion. Oh, that's such a beautiful word. I would word. literally <laughs> use propensity, propensity as well. Vocabulary. How do we go about going uh, doing ICF? So, what's the what are the major differences? Like, if I look at something that's MCF and I look at something that's ICF, what I'm, what's going to look different? What's the what's the big differences? So, I think it's going to be the density at which you're operating and the time that you keep all of your fuel together for. Right, right. So, to get like the most amount of fusion power out as possible, you want a really high density. So, if your your fuel is interacting very close together, um, and you also want it to be together for as long as possible. Um, 
And so basically in, in MCF, what, what you're doing is you're keeping a relatively low density plasma together at a high temperature, but it's quite low density um, for as long as you possibly can. And this is, this is usually quite a long time scale, like seconds. Oh, <laughs> oh, whole seconds. Whole seconds. Currently. I mean, yeah. <laughs> obviously the, the eventual picture is like some beautiful, like, donut of plasma keeping together for eons and generations and never never hiccuping at all um but obviously we, we can't do that at the moment so we're talking seconds um icf the difference is that we're basically just compressing this fuel as fast as we can and it's basically going to reach a sort of point at which it's at its most dense um, and it's most hot and it will then undergo all of its fusion reactions and then it will sort of blow itself apart yeah, um, we're talking like hundreds of nanoseconds, yeah. basically. Mm. Um, and that's what you're competing against, ultimately. The f you've got to do everything that you need to do before the fuel starts expanding again. Right. Mm. So that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the kind of competition. Yeah. So when, with ICF, you're trying to get everything done before it just all explodes out again. Or right, something. exactly. Well, it's not so much an explosion, but yeah, it's a rap rapid expansion. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So yeah. should we try and step by step go through the ICF process. We talked, I think we've basically mentioned everything that happens, but we step-by-step step go through in, in what order it happens. Okay. Okay, so um, step number one. Why? We can have lots of fun. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Oh, God. I'm showing my age now, new okay. kids on the block there. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you're the only one who said Dr. Kate Lancaster. That's not, true. And we're like, to be doctors. I know. I, I was upset. I, she gets to use the word expertise as well. When I say what I do, it's like, oh, I roughly have an idea of this thing. I look forward to the day where I can say, my expertise is... <laughs> yeah, but it is compared to who might be listening. So. <laughs> yeah, it's still your area of expertise, Will. Yeah. I wish and I roughly saw... knew what I was doing. You yeah. do. Unfortunately, I currently know scrubs better than I know, than I know inertial confinement fusion. So <laughs> is great. one day I might yeah. know something better than scrubs. But... Okay, so step one. <laughs> What's the first thing that we do with ICF, uh, with uh, inertial confinement fusion? What's Heat up? up the outside. So uh, there's a few different ways of doing it. What's the um, outside? What are we, and what What's are we heating the are they outside? So I guess what we're looking at to start with is a capsule of fuel. Rather than just a big amount of fuel, a big gas of fuel, we have a solid outside filled with a bit of solid deuterium tritium. And then inside that is a gas of deuterium tritium. How how big would this be? Roughly? Uh, a couple of millimeters, yeah. very oh, small, so very small. Yeah, yeah. Okay, ball bearing fine. sized kind of. Ball bearings. Ball bearings. Ball bearings. Are ball bearings are like you can get big. really tiny ball bearings. Yeah, but I feel like when most people picture ball bearings, they picture something. No, you know, like I can a, get the really tiny ones. You know, yeah, like small ball bearings. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking of you know that game where you have to get yeah. the ball from what? what? Like marble. Mousetrap. Mousetrap. Ma yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking of that kind of. So not much smaller than that. You weren't alive in the eighties. Oh mate, mousetrap was the one. So good. I love that. <laughs> so, sorry. We digress. Millimeter size yeah. uh, ball bearing. Yeah, yeah, we're talking a few milligrams of material right. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, in some method, we heat the outside of that really hot so it forms a plasma. When it forms a uh, plasma, we keep heating it until it wants to expand loads. When it expands, it throws a bunch of material out in all directions. That's what sends our driving force inwards. So, step one. You're using is this like conservation of momentum? That's exactly. It out. So you got this this burn wave going out. Well, it's, it's not a burn wave. It's 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 called ablation, right? Okay. And so basically, it's what happens as well when if you go and get your eyes lasered, yeah, and okay. they shine a laser in your eye, it heats up the cornea and 
that cornea kind of whatever it is that's been heated rapidly expands away. Right. Um, yeah. This is a much more violent version of that, right? Because okay. obviously you would never put your eye in a way of, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> of these kind of lasers. What if? Yeah. <laughs> uh, game over for your eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably lots of radiation produced as well in that split second. Okay, that's good. Yeah. You'd also be dead from spending about 30 minutes in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Would I be waiting for the lasers to, like, charge up? Or, like, why, why can't I just go you in You have like... to wait for the vacuum to pump down. Okay, okay, fine. Okay. Can I... I could just pump down while I'm in there. So yeah, because then you suffocate. You're, wouldn't you? Okay. We get onto death again. Right. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've got ablation now, right? <laughs> so let me, let me just try and see if I've got this picture correctly. So you've got this thin shell of material... Then you send something to compress it, and then that ablates well, you, out. You, heat, so, so you, just, you just heat it. the just outside. Oh, you heat yeah, the outside. It's just heating. Yeah. So that, uh, that ablates out, so that gets pushed out, and that pushing out... Uh, sends a reaction force. Sends a reaction force it's... back in to compress your fuel. Okay. Correct. We're good. Step two. Step two. So your fuel is now being pushed inwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, you now have a solid shell that's now pushing on this gas in the center. So eventually this gas is going to get so compressed that it's going to start, it's going to go to a high pressure and start resisting this inward force. When it starts resisting that inward force, it starts heating up and we form a hot spot in the center. Right. How hot are we talking? Uh, I know in KEV, we're, we're talking to maximum temperature we get to about 10 KEV just before um, we, we blow up the capsule. Like, I'm, that's yeah, it's million, like 100, 100, 100, 100, 100 million, yeah, 100 odd million hot. degrees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hotter than, I mean, hotter than MTF, yeah. hotter than the sun. Yeah. yeah. It's hot. Yeah. Like, if you put an egg on it, you could instantly fry it. <laughs> I think it's game over for the egg. <laughs> a lot of game yeah. overs. There's a lot of game overs, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have this hot spot. Yeah. We know, yeah. We now have a hot spot. Eventually, this hot spot gets so hot that fusion can happen. Um, right. The way we currently do it, we only want fusion to happen in the very center. Because to make fusion happen everywhere, we need mm. really high pressures to get everything to uh, equal uh, temperatures and densities. So we just try and get it to ignite in the center. When it ignites in the center, it starts burning um, from the center outwards. Right. So we Once you've heated the center, it's actually pretty trivial <clears throat> to get the rest of the fuel to heat up. Okay. So... That's why you do all of the effort for the hotspot, and then once and the you've got that there, yeah, out. yeah. Okay. So we've got, yeah, this dense fuel that's just started fusing in the center. Uh, we talked previously about alpha particles produced in a, a fusion reaction, which is a helium nuclei. <laughs> uh, so these alpha particles, they're what go on to deposit the heat in the rest of the fuel, um, which we have talked about in the context of the sun and in MCF before. But essentially, these alpha particles come out from the center. They heat out the they heat up the inner layers of fuel. Those inner layers get so hot that they become transparent to the alpha particles, and they can propagate further. This way, a slow burn wave propagates out okay. from the center. Mm. Right. So you have the the alpha particles hitting an op- like an opaque wall, heats it up, the wall becomes clear, then it goes through yeah, the next effectively, level. Yeah, and you're also generating more alpha particles yeah. as well. So it's a combination of those effects. Right. So, so it's like a positive feedback loop. Yeah. Where you have this increasing. So that, cool. that point of when the alpha particles start depositing, uh, depositing their heat and causing more fusion, that's what right. we call ignition. Oh, God. That's, like, I think that's what we're aiming I've for. Been, <laughs> I've been, like, so I've been, like, binging Gurren Lagann, and I'm literally picking, <laughs> like, someone drilling through the first wall of, like, dense, opaque fuel, breaking through, then drilling through the second <laughs> wall, 
And I'm drilling through the third wall. Just lots of drilling and breaking through. I love that show. Good show. Oh, God. Uh, the idea that you can throw something so hard that it splits into two things still. I feel like that's, not, that's definitely doable. <laughs> I'm confused and alienated. Yeah, sorry. It's <laughs> yeah, ring out the nerdy yeah. side. For all, our, for all those Gurren Lagan fans, it's a, it's a great show. And shout out to our listeners. I, I actually know the guy who introduced me to Gurren Lagan, I'm going to force to listen to this podcast, so he will appreciate that reference. Oh. Shout out to... Paniot Jelabov. Paniot The D. The D is silent. Interesting. Okay. So we have this outward um, progression of the alpha particles and the, this heating up. Mm-hmm. So is, is, is this all fusion happening at the same time? And what's going on with the neutrons as well? Because um, there are neutrons as well. Yeah. Right? So I assume the neutrons are just streaming out. Basically, well, they, they are, but also the fuel is dense. Time. So those neutrons that are produced, their energy... Um, can be surrendered in part to to the fuel as well so they lose some energy through collisions okay because they're what we call downshifted neutrons and is something that gets measured as a diagnostic of what's happening in the oh okay yeah so you can like measure the energy of the neutrons to see how much they're interacting with the the fuel and everything so it's it's a combat of density well so for every one fusion reaction, you get a neutron. Yeah. So obviously, if you want to know how well you're doing with fusion, you measure the number of neutrons that you get out. Um, and so if you're only looking in a narrow region, you don't know about what's happening over here if their energies have changed. And mm-hmm. so you have to measure um, the ratio of neutrons that are actually unscattered to the ratio that are scattered, and it tells you st- stuff about what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's a key diagnostic. <laughs> Have we actually mentioned diagnostics before or at all? Um, no, not in general. That's quite a specific thing. Yeah. So I guess we could do a diagnostic episode. Yeah. We definitely should. Yeah. Have we even explained what diagnostic no. means? Yeah. That's, that's a good that's point. Crucial. So diagnostic often, yeah. is just any measuring tool, yeah. implement, I suppose. is probably. So, average. for example, if you wanted to know if water was hot, you stick your finger in. Your finger is the key diagnostic. Mm. <laughs> right. It's hot. It gets yeah. burnt, right? So, yeah. you know, you can be a bit more accurate than that. Mm. Than ouch. Like you could put a thermometer in. But either way, that's a diagnostic of the situation. Any way you can get a feel for what's going on yeah. inside any system, really. Exactly. You can use as a diagnostic yeah. for your eyes looking at, oh, look, that's yeah. a pretty purple flower. You diagnose that that flower was purple and it was pretty from your eyes. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend looking directly at a fusion reaction, though. No. Mm. Well, the sun. Except or even the sun, you don't want to directly look at. Yeah, guys, don't do not look at the sun. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, not directly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, the sun's a really nice example, actually, because you know, if you remember those NASA images where they show, you know, the sun at various different wavelengths, including X-ray and microwave and whatever. It shows you something completely different. And that's exactly how we approach these kind of experiments is looking at these things with different, you know, wavelengths of radiation coming off and, you know, different particles and whatever else. And it tells us a different window on that particular situation. So Uh, so I think we need to finish off the final step in the process, which we mentioned before, which is that point where we've got this burn wave coming from the inside that meets this rarefaction wave coming from the outside. And when those two meet, the reaction stops. So what's a refraction wave? So a refraction wave is... Um, so we started off by ablating a bunch of material from the outside. There's only so much material that you can eject off the surface until all the material's gone. Uh, that process of ejecting material has a sort of front 
to it and eventually that's going to meet the burn wave right, coming okay. yeah it moves in yeah. you're okay. just eating up all the material yeah. okay, until you meet interesting that's okay. right yeah. that's good to... oh. Oh, okay. in a well nutshell <laughs> We actually managed to talk about it without using the word laser, which is exactly one of the things. Lovely. Because, yeah. I mean, Will, we all know Will loves his lasers. I do. I think we all love our lasers. Bad, well, bad, at least not so um, three out of the four people here love our lasers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind lasers. Lasers are pretty cool. They're interesting. Yeah, Thompson but... scattering, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a conversation for another day. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, all of this sounds fairly easy to do. Long. <laughs> no. So, what, what, what's going on? Why don't we have, like, ICF reactors and, you know, next to the cost cutters down the road, near the post office. Like, where, where, where are the ICF reactors at? <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. You know, as with anything, you know, as, as with MCF, you know, these magnetic confinement fusion, if it wasn't for turbulence, right. this sort of mixing up inside the, the reactor, we could have a 20 centimeter reactor just sitting on the tabletop doing its thing. And it's, you know, that the research has been into how do we make these plasma stable and sustain for a long time. ICF has equally uh, interesting problems associated with it. One of them is um, an instability called Raleigh-Taylor instability, which is a kind of rippling of the surface of the capsule, which really, really screws things up, actually. Um, and there's also um, things which we call parametric instabilities, which is a bit of a mouthful, but effectively they are instabilities that happen when your driver say, for example, some photons are interacting with this kind of plasma that you've uh, created when you've got it hot, um, and that acts to direct energy away from where you need it. And, and again, really screws things up. So all of these kind of investigations that we're doing are trying to understand how bad these things are and whether they're able to be overcome. Right, because, I mean, the aim is to try and get all of that energy in one very specific spot. Right, so any but at the same time, in exquisite symmetry, and yeah. that's partly the problem. Yeah, because I imagine, like, I'm literally picturing a ball, and you're trying to squeeze in this ball from a whole bunch of different directions. Correct. If you squeeze in on, you know, too much on one side, then mm -hmm. another side bulges out and all that. So that's kind of what I'm picturing. Yeah. Yeah, it seems easy. And so I think... I think also, I think once we start talking about the types of drivers we use and the types of methods... Yeah. Uh, symmetry will come out again as something that's quite important in these kind of interactions. I wanted to say, so before, I wanted to say before we get too far into where we are currently, I wanted to talk about where we've come from. So where the idea of ICF originally came, uh, and I'm looking directly at uh, Phil. For God's sake, yes. <laughs> yes. No, so I mean, I think the first ideas to do with inertial confinement fusion started in like the 1950s sort of time. So it was just after we'd um, looked at making fission bombs and people were starting to understand more about um, the way stars work. So Eddington was looking at uh, fusion reaction cross-sections, how that powers um, all the stars in the universe. Um, and then soon afterwards, uh, we're looking at how you can use that to make basically uh, nuclear bombs more powerful. And so in like a fission bomb, you, you um, want your, your sort of your nuclear fission reaction to sort of run away um, with itself. With, um, if, you, if you introduce a sort of fusion component to that, you can, you can use your fission to drive a fusion reaction that makes your bomb like unbelievably powerful. Um, and so soon after we realized this and we started to make these bombs in like the, the 40s and 50s, 
um, people started looking at like um, what what you could do uh, with tiny little explosions to see if you could actually make something useful out of it. Because mm -hmm. obviously you're produ producing an awful lot of energy from these things. What if instead of uh, using a huge lump of fuel to make a bomb, you could just make, have a tiny pellet and explode that. Um, I guess also it partially came out of the idea of um, the H-bomb as well, where mm. you know, you're using a fissile reaction which produces lots of radiation, which then drives a compression, which sounds remarkably similar to what we've just been talking about. And that's mm. kind of where that idea comes from, essentially. Yeah. So we, we've kind of done it in big and uncontrolled, and right. the aim is to actually <laughs> scale down rather than scale yeah. up, essentially. Mm. Do it with finesse. Yeah. And, yeah I mean, well, so that, you know, without killing people. In fact, that's a really interesting point, actually, coming onto it. It's why we, we take um, a small blob of fuel and compress it rather than just heating a massive blob of fuel, partly because, A, it takes loads of energy and so it wouldn't be energetically or economically favourable. But secondly, if you have a yield from any more than t a few tens of milligrams of fuel, you've created a bomb and you'll destroy your reactor. <laughs> And that's no good. Yeah. One shot, destroy your reactor. Yeah. You need to do it over and over again, which is why. Yeah. Anyway. Because they did they did early secret tests, yeah, didn't they, under, yeah. under the ground. Yeah. Where about? Was this in... It was in America. Well, all over, yeah. But I mean, there, I don't know there were the more... We, well. There were more in... What was it? I think early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, called Halite Centurion as right. well, mm. which the UK were involved in. But anyway, we get, we're digressing onto your... Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, th th those are interesting because then, then you... Um, they, they were they were basically trying to produce energy as well. They thought, well, why can't we just ex basically detonate one of these bombs and you know create a load of steam and send that through a turbine? But unfortunately, they produced a load of radioact radioactive steam, and that's obviously crazy. <laughs> Detonating bombs <laughs> under the Earth's crust—it's not ideal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a non-ideal situation. So, so after that, yes. So we downsized to these tiny pellets, and uh, scientists um, in America and the Soviet Union started thinking about. Well, how could we uh, like efficiently compress this stuff to release the energy? And they looked at lots of different different things. You could fire um, charged particle beams at them, like super fast. Um, lasers hadn't been invented, I think, when they first started looking at this. So they were just thinking of maybe even just brute force, just smacking it together I don't, I don't know what the other literally like with a hammer. options were yeah load of hammers shout out to general fusion who are trying to get fusion <laughs> yeah. to happen with yeah, yeah. and their words hammers yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah no that's still yeah. a thing so yeah. that's really that's interesting brilliant, that. yeah you've mentioned like um different methods of compression mm. is has has the community like started falling towards one method of compression or do we still use a wide range of different things? I mean, it, it, it has fallen towards one method, well, technically when you, two When you say method, now. I think you're asking about drivers, right? Yeah, yeah, the thing that's driving the initial compression. Yeah, when we talk about driving, we're talking about the whatever method we use to heat the outer surface to drive this compression. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not like driving a car. Yeah. <laughs> everyone in this room can drive a car. Yes. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, spot. For God's sake. Uh, just as a bit of a history lesson, yesterday Phil was supposed to have a driving test, but due to the poor weather in England, it got cancelled. Oh, harsh. I went oh. for a three-hour lesson the day before. Oh, I'm sorry. All the way to Scarborough. and oh. God, Scarborough. I know. Oh, well, Scarbados, as we like to call it. Scarbados. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
But yeah, so different drivers. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think, so lasers are one way of doing it, and you can, there's two ways of doing it, right? That you can fire the lasers directly on the, the outer surface of the pellet, or you can fire those lasers into a tiny little gold can called a hole run. So that's a German word for empty space. And that little gold can can uh, be heated by those lasers. It's nothing more than a hot box. And then basically that radiates x-rays, which do the compression of the pellet. Um, so you're using photons either way. The physics is very similar. Right. The reason why people love lasers, and I think why we all love lasers, is they're highly manipulable. They're very, they, they can go in one direction. They're very coherent and go in one direction. So you can reflect them all over the place, pass them through weird crystals, which change their color. Um, and so they're very, very easy to deal with. Mm. Plus, they're really cool. Plus, they're they are cool. really cool. Yeah. There's a reason sci-fi are obsessed with lasers. I've always wondered what is a fo photon torpedo? <laughs> is it just a blob of? I don't know. Photons? It sounds a bit like a laser. I don't know. It? I mean, it's fictitious, so I don't spend too much time thinking. <laughs> I, about it. My favorite, my favorite uh, sci-fi invention was uh, I think it's Pacific Rim. They have cold fusion bombs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> it's a bomb. Why would you want it cold? You want hot fusion bombs. You want it. <laughs> Which Batman is it that they that Bane's in, where he has that sort of fusion device, which they have right, a fusion reactor, yeah. and then they just like disconnect it, and suddenly it's a bomb. And, oh yeah, and oh, like my. you could hear. I was I was with my other half when we were watching that, and you could hear literally my hands slapping my forehead, <laughs> like just went oh, and he just looked at me like. Shh, you know, just stop. <laughs> it was awful. I watched uh, Sunshine the other night. <gasps> That's so good. Oh, they, you know, they, they try and restart the sun I know. with a fission bomb. No, I know. But I, I looked into, I still, like, you wouldn't do it with a fission bomb. You wouldn't no. use a fusion bomb. Yeah. But it's not to restart the sun. It's... Well, because I always thought, oh, that's what they're trying to do. Apparently, I've looked into it. Mm -hmm. It's because something called a cue ball, which is a type of particle, theoretical particle, Rings a bell. Is, is appeared in the sun and is taking some of the fusion away, apparently. So they're going to blow up, <laughs> blow up the cue ball. So is it they, like, don't, they don't say any of that in the film, but apparently that's like what they're doing. one parasitic particle that's sucking out of it's it. A, yeah, essentially. It's, I can't remember what it is. It's, like, it's essentially like a, a collection of mass um, that's held together somehow. And it's, I, I don't understand it. Brian, Brian Cox, he, that was his idea, well. apparently. It was his idea. Oh, what? He was consulting. He, yeah, he, no, he's scientific advisor on that film. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like... Yeah, no, I mean, that is not what that film's like. It's pretty brutal, right? I was really, I was rocking backwards and forwards when it had finished. Yeah. It was a really good film. Yeah, it's good. It is a good film. Totally but that's because Danny Boyle made it. Yeah, mm. Danny Boyle's alone. Yeah. Anyway, we try, we try once again. <laughs> oh, yeah. This happens a lot. I'm sorry, guys. But that's good. That's what yeah. conversation's all about. <laughs> um, so we, we've got these uh, two different methods of driving. Uh, direct drive and indirect drive. Yeah. Well, direct is when you so. directly hit the mm -hmm. laser and mm -hmm. indirect is hit the yeah. gold hot box. Gold and yeah, hot box exactly. Up the, the pellet. Yeah. That's the one. And what, one thing worth noting is typically uh, these little hot boxes, people... Uh, they have sort of two purposes. One, fusion energy, but also another thing is that they can actually provide data which goes into big codes which model nuclear weapons. So you tend to find that uh, weapons labs are quite interested in this kind of technique for that. Um, and so people like me in Civvy Street, you typically find doing direct drive because right. we have access to the tools more that we can use to understand that because there's parts of the physics that's classified in this yeah. case that we, in the indirect case. So um, Do you find you have a lot of like, I don't want to say conflict, but like 
a little bit of like resistance from government going into specific areas of no research. no no i mean we found a way of bumping along together actually in right. a satisfactory way um it's just about your own personal feelings on the matter as to whether i mean i think about it all the time actually because i don't necessarily want to work on wmds but also on the other hand the physics i do is really interesting and could lead to clean energy so you have to weigh these things up That was a great episode. That was a really fun episode. I learned so much. Same. Even though I may have not been in it. Same. So I think uh, for our many listeners, we would really appreciate if you subscribe to our podcast on whatever app you're listening on. Yeah, and check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just search A Glass of Seawater and we'll come right up. Finally, just uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. That would really help us it greatly increases the visibility of the podcast probably more than anything else and tell all your friends and enemies that was a really good episode i enjoyed it and i learned a lot see you next time for the next glass of seawater bye